You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Our guest today is Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a master of the classical guitar. He studied with Pepe Romero, Christopher Parkening, and the jazz guitarist Joe Pass. And he's performed for royalty and heads of state all over the world. He was voted by Guitar Player Magazine the 13th best guitarist in the world. In addition to being a classical guitar master, he's also a world traveler and generally a very interesting and fun guy to hang out with. Carlos and I have known him for close to 20 years now, and uh, we sat down, had some food, a couple of drinks, and a great conversation. Satch Purcell. Carlos Casados. Guess where we are? We are in my living room. We and you know, you know how I know? Because I'm staring at the map on my wall. The map of the world. Return the map. Yeah. And you know... Um, Return what you have stolen from me. <laughs> you know what I love about looking at a map is sometimes um, uh, the map is the background to a guest on our show. And sometimes the guest is truly larger than life. That's true. I would definitely say that he gets uh, my vote for... Uh, most interesting man in the world. Yeah, There's yeah. Or at least most interesting man sitting in front of the world. For which sure. Is my my map on Especially the wall. Especially at this moment. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a fine gentleman. Um, even when he's not being a gentleman, he's a fine individual. And he, um, someone I've known for probably 25 years, something like that. Mm. It's been a good chunk of my yeah. life. Yeah. Like half a, mm. halfway to 50, right? Indeed. Gosh. The gentleman we're talking about is name, his name is Jonathan Taylor. And, uh, fuck him. Fuck that yeah. guy. <laughs> you know? And, um, he's an asshole. I've met him. Yes. And besides being an asshole, <laughs> yeah. he's, um, he's a wise guy. Yeah. And, uh, I could see that. I, en- I can enjoy that about him. Yeah. 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 He is. So, Jonathan. Yes. Brother. I'd like to talk about what you're doing right now. Okay. Because cause right now, you know, I know you're just exploding with music and... You know, every time I pop open my Instagram or my Facebook or anything like that, I see another uh, song you've released. Over 30 years of touring around the world, in between that time, I set down tracks. I have now 271 or 76. It's going to be actually more. That's wrong. But uh, let's say 300 uh, tracks, which is is equivalent to what the Beatles did. They're a big uh, catalog. And I've now released say probably 50% of those, maybe 60% on all the major platforms. They're streaming, which is on Spotify. So if you type in Jonathan Taylor, classical guitar, Jonathan Taylor, classical guitar. Did mm. I say Jonathan Taylor, classical guitar? No, what, mm. what is it one more time? Jonathan Taylor, classical guitar. For clarity's mm. sake. Yes. <laughs> and on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, um, SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud mm. all the ones that people know here. For mm. instance, Even Deezer. Pandora, right? Pandora. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Napster. Napster. Uh, can you believe <laughs> Napster still exists? Napster is a legitimate streaming platform it where is. before it was just a you know file sharing mm-hmm. uh, pirate thing. So uh, now, in for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, it's probably on. It, well, it's not probably. It is on ninety percent or more of the streaming platforms that exist on the planet. Like for instance, in South Korea, it's Melon. All right, and there are two other ones that I can't remember their names now, mm. and um, well, there, there's an equivalent like in in Arabia, right? Um, in like Arabia. Saudi Arabia and various places, and there's, there is. there's an Indian version. A- Agni, right? I'm on that one. Agni, Ooh, and Agni, I'm on cool. the one in Saudi Arabia, mm. and you can't find them because it's closed to Americans to look at. Wow! So I actually tried to find it. I said, uh, "Wait a minute, I'm on this thing here, right? Oh, I can't find myself." <laughs> so. <laughs> You, I, I yeah. the distributors told me, Jonathan, they won't allow anybody to look at it. Are you saying we're censored? I know that's hard to believe, hmm. but we fucking are. <laughs> so, I'm uh, beep, that's right, beep. <laughs> um, so, um, and thousands of people died for those freedoms. Mm. So, anyway, so just one final plug in a shameless self promotion way, uh. The Deezer, for instance, is one that's in Northern Europe in Sweden, Norway, um, and some parts of Central Europe, Germany. The Germans use that as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're so used to Spotify. Actually, the truth is, I didn't even know about Spotify until a few months ago. 
Really? You Leo. Luddite. Yes, wow. I am a Luddite and a Philistine. Okay. Uh, which is why I like prophecies? this. Well, yeah, I think <laughs> I've translated them in seven languages. I'm actually a Philistine because I like this 12 year old rum that our dear brother Carlos mm, got us uh, here. Mm-hmm. Kirk and Sweeney. It's beautiful. I love it's it. Soft and mm-hmm. smooth and velvety. I'll be getting more shortly. It is. Uh, so the uh, it's strange because we get so localized and provincialized and think, you know, we're just this platform, we're just that. You know, I didn't even stream music, honestly. Mm. You know, I have friends. I actually listened to Pandora for 10 years, but I didn't know a lot about it. Mm. Well, yeah, you know. everything you have was on an actual record album or a cassette tape. <laughs> At those time periods, back in the day, I was on the Empire Master Sound label in the 80s in Europe, which had Yehudi Menuhin or other uh, prominent classical artists on it, actually George Shearing, the great jazz pianist. Mm. And I was on Mark 56. And Pam Parsons, I had management back in the 80s with, she that was, she managed uh, George Shearing, uh, who people may or may not know if they're into jazz, but he's a great jazz pianist. Uh, wasn't he blind? I don't know. But is it, is it Parsons as in Alan Parsons is it related? Not, 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 not related, okay. not related. Uh, she was and not saying, related to Jack Parsons. Not related to Jack Parsons, who is merely uh, tissue on program. the wall. He's <laughs> tissue. He is. He's merely. He's been atomized. The, he's been fulminated mercury. Was that what Ooh, blew him up? Something like that. Yeah. Either that or it was Satan. No, but he, but that was the thing, right? They, they, you always put a mystery around the death, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sells more copy. That's yeah. right. That's uh, right. That's he right. was an occultist after all. He was an occultist, but he was also, uh, without him, chemical uh, fuel would not exist. Yeah. And if you don't that's have true. chemical fuel, that's what you need to get outside of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So it's okay about, let's say, 70 miles up. You don't need it. You can use the solid, right? But the chemical stuff, you'll never, because there's no oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I go, well, without that, you don't have the Saturn V, you don't have the moon mission. Because yeah. you can't mm. break 17,500 miles and uh, break the orbit. Wow. So wow. Um, that has a lot to do with Jefferson, I think. Hmm. Absolutely. It's hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a clear connection. There's a clear yeah. Kabbalistic connection to yeah. that through hope. Which means you can connect anything to anything. And that is the true definition of insanity. Yes. Yeah. Sure, sure. Carlos, ask away. All right. I do have something to ask you. Please do. But before we get to that thing that I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you something else. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Um Tell me about how you got into music first, because this is kind of like important, and I, okay. and I don't really know this. Okay, so at four years, the the bio says ten, but at four years old, I just started picking things on the ukulele because my little fingers, of course, couldn't have another instrument, right? And humming around the house, and that at ten, I got a half size. I was gonna say three quarter, but half size guitar. My aunt bought me, and. Uh, uh, started to listen, and all musicians learn by ear before they read music. It's the most normal thing in the world. And then you refine your understanding. It's just like language, right? You speak before you write. And uh, the reason for writing is to pass down the tribe's experience to the next uh, generation, whatever that is. And that experience uh, is then in written music or language, doesn't matter. And so, um, then I started to study seriously, uh, study with two or three prominent artists of the last century, one of them Christopher Parkney, the other one Pepe Romero, who I used to go to his house and take lessons for about five years during my college years. And uh, you I studied s- with Christopher Parkney. Correct. In a master's and, class. And Pepe Romero. Correct. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, and then I um, studied also with Frederick No, who was actually very instrumental in what I call introducing me to the repertoire. So at that time, even though I studied with uh, Pepe Romero, who basically is an interpreter of Spanish repertoire, he's an immigrant that uh, uh, really didn't embrace America 
but embraced, uh, you know, became very prominent throughout the world for his wonderful playing. But he basically plays a Spanish repertoire and not other things, where yeah. I am of a different kind of ilk. Pepe's a flamenco master, right? He but was also classical? Both, or? yes, that's okay. right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. But what I did with the catalog is I transcribed many, I did what I call the basic repertoire of the instrument. Uh, the masterpieces, right? Le Rosignane, Giuliani, the, the Leander, Oliver knows all this stuff, and Recuerdos uh, and all those things. But then I did many different transcriptions of pop pieces because unlike many other players in the world, I am an American. So oh, yeah. I have a different experience. You know, there's a every person has a different experience. If you grew up in Venezuela, you'd be a lot different than if you grew mm -hmm. up in Nairobi, like your wife. Yeah. So that's right? interesting. So um, yesterday in preparation for our, our meeting with you now, um, I went on to Spotify and I listened to your um, uh, album, uh, the one with the gem. Mm -hmm. It's called Gems or right? something like that. Gems Volume 1. And I looked at the titles. I thought, these are all pop songs. That They've never been, been transcribed for classical guitar before, wow. ever. And um, and I started listening knowledge. to them, and I quite enjoyed them. Good. And but what's funny is I had my opinions as to which ones I was going to enjoy, mm -hmm. and I was a little bit surprised at which ones I actually enjoyed the most. Very interesting. The the song that I almost skipped over was Satisfaction. Oh, because I, I know I, I don't have anything against uh, being satisfied. Yeah, being satisfied, <laughs> or or the Rolling Stones, right? Yeah. But you they, don't have but, anything yeah. against Mick Jagger being yeah. A old queen. Yeah, exactly. I had nothing against them. But I typically skip through their songs. And I thought, sure. oh, well, let me just listen to it. And I think it was my favorite one on there. It was such a cool interpretation. I just, I loved it. Satisfaction. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I can't get me no, a no, no, no. Mm. Him and David Bowie would go out a lot partying, and Bowie mm -hmm. would go because they were kind of, you know, ACDC. Okay. And uh, that's their lifestyle. And um, I mean, Englishmen and the Queen and that whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Because <laughs> they got that going on. Um, they love their royalty. They love their royalty. I had an English the royalty girlfriend. checks or the, the royalty. <laughs> they, they love, love royalty their royalty checks. <laughs> that's for sure. Do you know? And that's why uh, Mick is probably worth five hundred million in Keith because um, Keith woke up in the middle of the night and wrote that. That riff. oh, that's right. It came from a dream or something, right. didn't it? Uh, yeah. it? Came up in the middle of the night, and uh, I go, well, that's why Charlie Watson is it Wyman, the bass player. I go, mm. that's why they're only worth. Only like sixty million, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because of touring and and revenue from that. Mm. But it's I go well, but when you have total copyright ownership, but you know also it's record company. And now, like for instance, I'm like the only classical guitarist in the world that owns their own masters. Oh, All right. Yeah. Everyone else, I mean, not the brave new world of streaming. I go well, the record companies are shaking in their boots because I go, sure. what do they have to offer? A budget for advertisement. Yeah. for um, um, getting more exposure. Mm -hmm. I go, you can offer you that, but they can't offer you distribution. I go, what do you mean? I've got tricking 90% of the market already distributed to. So what, what, what do you mean? You can't offer me that. Can't offer me production because I've already done it. <laughs> they're done. Yeah. They're on acetate. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they're not. They're on digital mm -hmm. files. But, uh, I mean, so it's a different world, such a brave new world. And people think about streaming now, and they do it, and they go, I go, well, um, you think it's free, but you're paying 10 bucks a month to get anything you want, or 7 bucks, yeah. you know, the premium yeah. services and that. And I go, but that's the brave new world, and that's how things are um, uh, panning out here. What the next step will be, who the hell knows? I don't know. Nobody downloads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Downloading? Vinyl uh, CDs are fifteen percent of revenue in the record sales market. Mm, so yeah. I was on the first MP3 site actually, wow. San Diego. Wow, MP3.com. Wow, many moons ago, Kimasabi. Mm. So you've seen an interesting time because you uh, began all this during the times of 
records and tapes. And the now record it's company, all the kind yeah. I was in, Sam Goody and Tower Records, and that was the big whoop back in the day. And yeah. I was with Mark Fifty Six. I'll tell you about that company. It's interesting. They own the most interesting assets that you can possibly imagine. They owned old slave recordings that wow. had been at the very advent of Edison. And they own the original tinfoil Edison recordings. Maybe they're in the Smithsonian now. But they own Mary Had a Little Lamb, which Edison sang hmm. into his gramophone, right? That's right. Wow. And they own the radio shows of Superman, the old, old radio Superman. Radio. They own the most interesting assets. I was in the vault once when I signed up with Mark 56. So it was an interesting trip. And then I had in Europe, as I mentioned before, Empire Mass Sound. And uh, that was an interesting trip to go over there and bring them. And believe it or not, I flew over to Europe and to bring them the master tapes. Mm, wow. Uh, you know, literally, I mean, today now it's just a joke, click. right? Yeah. Just click. <laughs> exactly. It's That's a amazing. joke. Attach it to an email now. That's right. Yeah. It's all, it's all so different. And I go, oh, no, well, drive. how am I going to get it there? You know, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. trust the mail. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, forget that. Wow. Did you have a, a handcuff attached to a briefcase? <laughs> handcuff? That, yeah. yeah. It got with, separated from you. With, it exploded. From D.B. Cooper. And then <laughs> I jumped off and got the money. No. <laughs> a blade yeah. in your in your boot that, I had that a, snaps out I with had a click of your heel. Oka and a cyanide Kremlin. pill in your armpit. Cyanide <laughs> pill that I crushed. And I said, Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. That's, That's what right. I mean. Hail Hydra. I click that. And I chew it and I go, Hail Hydra. Remember, remember Dune? Uh, Duke Atreides. Duke Atreides. Yeah. The tooth. The tooth. Yes. Bites the tooth. By will alone, I set my mind in motion. By by rum alone? Is that what you said? By say? rum alone. I said, no, I, oh, I have my rum over here. No, you I do. have, what do we have? What is this one? This Carlos. is another. This you is another, rummy, you. This is another rum from. Beautiful. Uh, Barbados? No, uh, Dominican, Dominican Republic. Republic. Yeah. Yes. The other one was from. Uh, Love it. So, do you want me to I'll tell you? I'll tell you. I won't tell you a rum story, but I'll tell you. Uh, this is also Dominican. I'll tell you mm-hmm. a, bar- a Barbados. The guy, am, uh, one of my students in Barbados, when I taught master classes down there and did a lot of tours and and performances and that, um, was worked in the fields and uh, had a machete. And he said, "Jonathan, come here." And he took me in his car and went out to the middle of a freaking sugarcane field and he chopped that sugarcane like you can't even believe. Mm. I mean, he took a sugar cane and he made me a sugar cane drink. I took one drink of that and I was about passed out. Wow. Right. I mean, talk about a sugar high and then a sugar down, right? Yeah. yeah. And like pure sugar. Yeah. And, sugar juice. Uh, but he, you know, they know how to strip the sugar canes like in seconds, right? Mm-hmm. With the machete work yeah. and that. Yeah. And uh, otherwise I would have ended up like Jason. Wow. <laughs> Victim <laughs> you know, of Jason. I, I, I knew a guy um, who was Cuban. Uh, he's a fellow occupational therapist, and he said that uh, his father, when they were living back in Cuba, his father's sister, I believe was over here, had made it over here, and was sick, and was dying, and he sought permission from the government to come visit his sister. And the government said, um, well, you can go, basically, but if you do, when you come back, you lose your job. And he had a really good job, and they said, you'll spend the rest of your lives working in the sugarcane fields. Wow. And he said, basically, you know, F you, man. I'm, I'm going to go see my dying sister. And he did. He, they let him go. He came here. He was with his sister when she passed. He went back. They stripped him of his job. They put him in the sugarcane fields. And he had to work from um, before the sun was up till after the sun was down. And my friend said that he barely ever saw his dad again because of that. So, Jonathan, you have played all over the world. Correct. Yeah. Um, what are some like amazing places that you've played? Targu Muras, uh, uh, a in Romania, in the Carpathian Mountains, uh, near the Carpathian Mountains. Excuse me. Uh, it was a beautiful auditorium built in the twenties, where as on my sixth encore, I was walking backstage and I bumped into the pillar and I uh, destroyed the pillar. Oh. Gosh, so well, it you had to make felt, your mark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's for sure. <laughs> and it plotted, and if it would have hit me, it would have done some real damage. Wow. Uh, and uh, some amazing places. So uh, played uh, for the Princess of in that tour. Played for the Princess of Romania at the World Bank in Washington D.C. 
and her husband Radu something, uh, who was a famous actor in Romania, before kicking off that particular tour. Uh, one time in uh, Bombay, excuse me, in Madras, India, played at a wonderful replica of the Albert Hall in uh, London, of course, that everyone knows it, but now they know how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. Hmm. Um, and played at this wonderful, it was a wonderful auditorium. Although they turned on the air conditioning and it made my strings go out of tune, so I had to. <laughs> no, that was fine, <laughs> not during the concert, but I had to retune. The, uh, um, and uh, at that tour, okay, here's an Indian tour. That's a good one. So I had a stalker. A stalker? And he was intent on either harming me or killing me. Wow. And so I was taken in a Rolls Royce down to the important archaeological digs and remnants of their 10,000-year-old culture, the Vedas, etc. And uh, I was getting a bad vibe during lunch. How did he mm. get you into the car? And all he that got time? me in the car because he was uh, uh, employed by one of the sponsoring agencies, but he was just uh, mentally ill. Oh my God. He was mentally ill. Wow. So he, like, the, the ruse was, oh, we're going to go on a. Yeah, but it wasn't even, somewhere. at that time, it was not even a ruse to me because I didn't know any better. I mean, I guess yeah, it you, may you have might have been his ruse. You right. trust the people that right. are supposed so, to be helping you. Right. right. So yeah. at that time, I didn't know, um, you know, diddly. I didn't know uh, shit from Shinola as, <laughs> as, as, um, what's our Garden Grove boy, the great comedian, banjo player? Steve oh, Martin oh, says, Steve Martin. Yeah. shit, this is shit, and this is Shinola. Just got to know the difference. <laughs> so uh, um, <clears throat> from The Jerk. That's from The Jerk. I love that movie. And yeah. uh, so I drove down there and had lunch on the beach. Beautiful uh, thing. Um, and I was looking at this beautiful Indian woman who was carrying a basket of grain on her head. And she was the sexiest thing i ever seen. And I was looking at her. And I was going, whoa, uh, that is a beautiful woman. And she that is Parvati. Adoration to him who loves to sit in the lap of his mother, Parvati, daughter of the mountain lord Himavat. That's an adoration to Ganesh. Nicely so done. probably a Ganesh follower. So um, adoration to him who has distinguished matted hair. And so <laughs> there I am in India, and this guy is freaking weird. And I'm sensing very negative things, very bad things, mm. like I'm really in big danger. And finally, I did a, what I call a bravado. And I said, I'm a lot stronger than I look. And uh, I let him know that if he was going to try anything, he'd pay a desperate price. And that I, unlike some people, actually do have a killer instinct. And if it comes to that, I wouldn't harm a fly. All right, mm. but if it comes to that, uh, I go well. I'll do whatever is necessary. Just trust me. Uh, mm. And so he got a serious message, and I told the promoters. I said he is not to be at the concert. I was afraid of him trying to run up on stage or wow. do something weird. Mm. And I said to the um, promoters, I said uh, I have never not done a concert that I contracted for ever, ever. And I go, if he's in the audience, I won't do it. And I'm not a prick, okay? Mm. I'm a really uh, okay guy, and I live up to my word. Yeah, you just prefer so, to live. Yeah. yeah. But I go, I know what's going on, and I'm not crazy either. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Only in a good way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Only yeah. crazy in a good Nutty's way. Nutty's fine. Yeah, crazy. Nutty's, no, yeah, that's crazy, crazy yeah, bad. That's... So that was a, that was a, that was an in part of my Indian adventures, and and uh, I tell people had I landed in Calcutta first, and I didn't. I landed in Bombay and played Pune, where uh, Gandhi was interred, and where uh, what's uh, Rajneesh's Osho, his ashram is there. And uh, I said, had I landed in Calcutta first, I probably would have gotten back on the plane, because. Most people don't understand how bad it is. Yeah, it's, it's poverty. Yeah. Really unclean. Yeah. 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 It's poverty like you've never seen in your life, especially American life. Yeah. And I go, you can't even understand. Yeah. I go, on my way in from the airport in a Rolls Royce, 
because the airport's out of town, right? And you drive, have to drive back in, drive into the town. When the sponsors pick me up, and I, uh, like, literally hundreds of children with their arms cut off and just terrible, 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 stuff, yeah. terrible wrong. Because, you know, they're untouchables and they do that from birth, right? Yeah. So they can beg. Yeah. And I go, it's very sinful. Yeah. Very, very not nice. And you, and you know what's really strange? I have a, a beggar story from India. Please. Um, so I was in uh, Bangalore. And uh, I was at a place where there were a lot of, you know, foreigners, foreign, you know, tourists. And so uh, there were a lot of beggars there. Mm-hmm. And day after day, you start to see the same beggars over and over again. Right. Sure. And then we all got word that we needed to head out uh, to the next city, which was a quite a long drive. I mean, you know, in, in India to take taxis and stuff, you're looking at a good like four or five hour drive to get sure. to the next city we got to. So a bunch of us jump in the taxis. We go the very next day. I see half of all the same beggars that wow, I saw back. That. Like, well, wait a minute. These are untouchables. Right. These are people with like I know zero you. money, right. right? No money at all. Right. How did they get here the next day? Right. And uh, uh, what I had been told was, um, if you want to help the beggars, go ahead and buy them food, but but be very cautious about giving them money. Right. Right. And so right. I bought a bunch of bananas and started handing out bananas. Yeah, good. Half Smart. the crowd turned around, turned away, and, and walked off. And said, "That asshole!" Right? They're yeah. like, "He's giving money. He's, he's not you giving know, money. He's I'm giving not. food." And then all the ones that were really hungry took all the bananas and they peeled them and ate them right then and there on the. On well, the spot. that was Mother oh, yeah. Teresa's mission. I was yeah. going to meet her, and I can't even remember why I didn't. But I was on the way to meeting her. And in Calcutta, but that was her mission is dying people, right? Yeah. She took care yeah. of dying people yeah. and put her in her ashram or her mm-hmm. convent, whatever you call it, you know, yeah. her studio. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a, it's not a solvable problem. It's uh, people say third world country. I go, they've been third world country since 47, since mm-hmm. the Brits left. So mm-hmm. I go, it's a very difficult uh, issue. Yeah. So. In South America, I was in the Amazon, and I was playing in Belém, Brazil. Carlos knows this story, I think. And I was being introduced to the city because there was a concert that evening. It was a way to advertise. There was an outdoor stage. Not that I played on the outdoor stage. I was being introduced there, and then there was an auditorium later that evening I'd been playing in. And introduced me to the audience there to get more people coming to the concert. And so, you know, you're in a social situation, and um, they offered me their national drink or Uh-oh. soup, their national soup. It's kind of okay. like a goulash. Okay. And, you know, here, Mr. Taylor, have some of our blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so I knew when I looked at that, one of my genes in the back of my head, my reptilian brain said, don't eat that. Uh-huh. And of course, I overrode that genetic command. Because of Be- social pressure. That's right, yeah. because of social pressure. And I said, oh, how delicious. Right in a swirling, hurdy gurdy man playing in an accordion way. And uh, I knew that I was going to, that was the wrong decision. And so I... Took it, played a great concert that evening. It was the best concert of the tour, actually. Mm. But I was starting to hallucinate halfway through the concert. <gasps> halfway through the concert, I was Timothy Leary on L. I was, oh my um, gosh. I was Hunter S. Thompson. I was, uh, <laughs> right? Oh my I gosh. was Jimi Hendrix on one of his binges. Yeah. And uh, I, great concert, wonderful. And I had contracted cholera. Oh, oh So goodness. cholera is not good for children and other living things. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I was insanely... So to tell you guys, I was so thin anyway. Because when okay. you do a tour, you lose five pounds every concert. Right. You know when right. Elvis used to... Put uh, black out the windows in his in the Hilton or whatever where he's staying and doing his shows and that. I go, you don't understand. 
you've put out tremendous amounts of energy, mm -hmm. tremendous amounts of energy. I go, you've just had two hours plus time afterward with the audience, you know, the, the green room and, you know, mm -hmm. greeting people and that. And I go, you've put out like an equivalent to like 10 times your normal energy output. And I go, you I would lose about five pounds per concert. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And and I was like a bone anyway. At that time, I was like a bone. And I could see my ribs, you know, I mean, like that type of bone, right? Yeah. That, uh, and so where did I spend the next week? Well, on the floor of my hotel room, and I was dying. Yeah. So I would... Cholera will do yeah. that to people. And so mm -hmm. I, uh, people say, what happened? I go, well, I had flying monkeys out of both ends. Yeah, uh, wow. Brazilian flying monkeys. Oh gosh! So, by the way, yeah, in, in Chinese medicine, uh, they call cholera because of, because of the intense diarrhea. They call it sudden turmoil disorder. <laughs> Boy, and that's for <laughs> that's sure. Perfect. That's yeah. for sure. I'm telling you something that when you go through that experience, I go, you don't even know you're you. I go, your ego. It's like when I went down the Amazon, as I'm going to tell you about in a minute. You look at those boa constrictors that are just. I mean, you can't believe how thick they are. And I go, you realize you're part of the food chain. And I go, your ego just goes right out the window because you realize you're part of the big all. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that cholera thing, I go, you're not even you. You're your animal you. You're your mm -hmm. reptile you. Mm -hmm. You're your, I go, you are, I go, who you think you are? Oh, he plays classical guitar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah, no, doesn't mean monkeys, anything, right? right? <laughs> you know, we have talked about so many cool and wild and interesting things. Is there um, a classical piece that you have done that you'd like to recommend that we could take a listen to? Oliver wants to listen to Leyenda. Let's do it. Leyenda. Okay, Leyenda. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
so tell us about that piece. So that piece was written. All uh, Albanas was a parlor musician in the sense of what Sati was in the 20s when he was uh, writing the Gymnopodies and the Gnosiams and the um, uh, Peace in the Shape of a Pear was the title of one of the things. Sati actually, and I'm going to get back on land, uh, Sati actually only ate white food. And what? probably, Ooh. yeah, he only ate food that was white. He was a very quirky dude, mm. but a great dude and a beautiful guy. Beautiful. Wow. Okay. And uh, I go, there's a wonderful image of him that I'll just burnished into my memory of those glasses and that top hat of the time period. And uh, actually, Stravinsky was uh, giving him an end to a publisher, and the publisher was going to give him a shitload of money for his music. And so he said, oh, my music isn't worth that much. So, I mean, that's a very foolish thing to do for a musician yeah, when offered yeah. uh, He sounds like, like he could have been something like, you know, uh, what we would say today, like on the autism spectrum or something. Yeah, you're, maybe You're only so. eating white food and being completely, totally devoted to one interesting, craft. And, interesting, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. And that. had absinthe poisoning, as many people did when you drink back then, because those absinthe has high uh, alcohol level in that. Mm -hmm. Absinthe is wonderful. Yeah, I have some in the... We're gonna, have a, we're, gonna have so, yeah. we're gonna have some. We're gonna have some. Without the wormwood or with the wormwood? Wormwood. Okay, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's why I come here. <laughs> so Albanus. So Albanus did parlor music, and he entitled some of his pieces, as we all know, that are um, piano pieces. Most of them transcribed for guitar, and uh, out of the cities of his uh, native country. So Cadiz, right, uh, was one piece. Uh, that actually is getting a lot of plays on my Spotify channel right now, actually getting hundreds and hundreds of plays. Mm. Uh, Malaguena is getting thousands and thousands. Uh, and Spanish repertoire. Mm. So uh, another one, Mallorca, is another piece by him written for piano, transcribed for guitar. Very, like I would say, almost a standard. These are standards, probably because Segovia brought them into the fore after taking Tarrega's uh, uh, transcriptions, arrangements of them, and also Tarrega's transcriptions, arrangements of uh, Bach and then brought it in the 20th century, and uh, here we are, a new generation. But without him, I go, well, you wouldn't even know about the beauty. In a way, he was a novelty. Made his debut in 1920, Segovia. Uh, made his debut, and uh, as a matter of fact, it's funny because I'm actually very popular with the Paris Conservatoire right now. Um, I looked the other day, and there's a lot of my posts and stuff there. So it's very funny because that's where he made his audition. And then, so here's something for musicians out there. I go, well, you have Segovia because of Decca Records and because of a novelty in Saul Hurok. Saul Hurok was the greatest empresario of his day. It represented Stravinsky, represented Nudzinski, the great dancer who did Le Sacre des Trentons from Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, of course, there in Paris, big debut. And the impresario, Saul Hurok, uh, took Segovia and got him a contract with Decca Records. And I go, well, there are literally 70-year-old recordings that are selling right now with different packaging and that. And I go, this recording of the 50s, I go, there's some of the greatest uh, recordings of all time mm. for that instrument. Uh, and he really took the transcriptions and had many composers write for him. Defaya, Ponce, who was his dear friend, great Mexican composer, uh, and uh, many, many other people that uh, I go created a literature and a repertoire that didn't exist as did with the piano and the violin. Mm. People say the piano and the violin, I go, they're great instruments, they're wonderful, and I'm not, this is not some ego thing here, but I go, the difficulty is nothing in comparison to the classical guitar. Oliver will tell you that. Mm. Uh, classical guitar is the most difficult instrument on the planet. Wow. And wow. I go, you take a string, the guitar is not a stringed instrument, it's a percussion instrument, because you actually have to hit each time you play something, and it decays the moment after you hit it. So there's no sustain like there is with a violin. So it's Yeah, there's a famous quote from Heifetz, the great violinist, that Please. he said he thought the only instrument more difficult than the violin was the guitar. I didn't know that quote. Thank you, yeah. brother. 
That's like, wonderful. Yeah, so you're not lying. Brother Oliver knows things. He knows things. And that is so great. And Heifetz is one of the few people would not record on digital. They started to do a directed disc with him back in the day at the very beginning, and he wouldn't do it. He said the sound was cold, and he's right. But I say, and started at that time, 90s, I go, well, I go, this is the new world. I go, whatever it is, in the era which we're living in, we have to conform to. Yes, analog is a warmer sound. Yes, it is more encompassing. Yes, it's more uh, the hues, the tones, the depth, all that. It's true. But the tape has drove everyone fucking crazy. And also, and I go, well, the digital is the way of the future. And I did that in the very beginning. And that's mm. why all my tracks now, except for one album, or di- excuse me, two albums, mm. are digital. Wow. And so, as Brother Oliver said, that uh, Heifetz, I go, he wouldn't do it. He, they, I, go, he, I go, he said he hated it. Hmm. He hated the digital sound. Sounded so cold, sounded so bad to him that he just wanted to, you know. Yeah. And uh, that wow. was it. Very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. I did want to ask you about your mom. My mother passed away in June of this year, on the 11th, and she passed away from natural causes. Everyone dies from pneumonia on the death certificate. Mm -hmm. If you look at like 70, 80% of the death certificates, Mm -hmm. it's pneumonia, complications from pneumonia, and the other ones are cancer and uh, complications from that. And uh, well, you know, um, for many, many years, um, the nickname of pneumonia was an old man's best friend. I did not know that. Thank you, Satch. Mm. Beautiful. So she was only ninety-seven. That's all. Mm. Yeah. And I took care of her, uh, you know, at least the last ten years of her life and uh, more. Uh, hell, I was giving her money when I was fourteen years old for rent. You mm. know, so. Um, she was the greatest person I ever met in my life, and uh, I was lucky to have her as long as I could. I'm at peace with it. Mm. That's really cool. Um, yeah. I got a chance to be part of your um, the funeral for your mom. Yes, you did the memorial. memorial. Yeah, and uh, it was a great honor to be there. And he spoke, and he had a wonderful thing. And I love Brother Carlos. Mm-hmm. Arlos, Brother Carlos, <laughs> give me another rum. Brother Carlos, <laughs> and he did a wonderful job, and he helped in many, many ways, uh, more than he knows. And he brought a whole big bottle of bourbon. <laughs> nice bourbon. Kentucky bourbon. Kentucky bourbon. bourbon. But the thing is that, um, you know, I've met her a couple of times, but I didn't really know how amazing she was historically. I mean, the, the stories you told at the, at the service um, blew my mind. And I just thought, coming from one of the most interesting people I know, and you have one of the most interesting mothers I've ever heard of, um, it makes sense. But I just wondered if you might share a couple of those things, just because she's so much a part of who you are, and I I can really see a lot of her character and her boldness and her confidence kind of coming through in who you are. My mother was uh, a private investigator in the 60s. I called her Honey West. Uh, who many people may know from that time period of show with Anne Francis. And uh, she had many, many adventures. She, um, one time, she was really on the cutting. It was one of 13 women to have her own private investigator license, worked for Sir Harry F. Lawrence before that in Corona del Mar to get her training. And um, at that time, cops used to hire private investigators. I know it's hard to believe now. But they used to do that because the laws were different for PIs than they were for cops, and they could PIs could do more things than the cops could do. So it would like behoove them to get the case closed to get what's going on. So one time she was hired, and she was a plant in a plant, meaning a manufacturing plant, where they manufactured the plastic coverings for the Titan missile which actually people think it's a metal. I go, it's actually plastic because it's so light, you get more speed, so the speed can make the missile go faster and maneuver better in that. And uh, so there were foreign agents trying to steal that formula. And uh, she was sent there, and she was so freaking beautiful as a younger woman. She was, like, insanely beautiful. And uh, uh, so she was in the plant there, and they found out that she was a... Um, a spy and so who do I mean they I go those who wish to steal the formula so at that time she had purchased a 
bug. Like a transmitting device. A transmitting device. And it was actually an olive that she would put in martinis. Huh. And so, okay, quick aside. One time she was at the Fireside Bar on Beach Boulevard in 19, maybe 61. And somebody was going to eat the olive in their martini, which was actually the bug. And she fell all over the table pretending to be a drunk and grabbed the olive, olive, <laughs> oh you know, gosh, the drink. Wow. And, right? <laughs> and I go, Mom, you're just insane. I love you. She's just the greatest, the greatest woman I ever met in my life. Everything I am or ever hope to be is because of my mother. And so nice. my mother is in this plant now, back to the main story. They found her out, and they tie her up. They caught her. They caught her, and they're going to kill that bitch. Mm. They're going to kill that fucking bitch. Now, this is a chemical factory, so guess what? You have vats and vats of chemicals. Mm. It's out of a James Bond movie, I know, but it's true. Mm. They were going to put her in the chemicals so they could dissolve her. Why? I go, well, you wouldn't even get rid of the freaking body. Right? Mm -hmm. I'll kill her and get rid of the body at the same time, right? You're going to mm -hmm. just roast her. Yeah. So they're about ready. They're putting her in the thing. And my her partner is outside the plant um, in the parking lot. And, of course, he's tapping the microphone. Are you there? Are you there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And, of course, he can't hear anything because at those times you couldn't transmit through walls. It was too thick. It's very mm -hmm. primitive. Not yeah. like today where infrared, you know, everything, mm -hmm. right? Satellites. They didn't have any of this shit. So uh, he goes, okay, I'm going in, right? Goes in. They're literally hanging her on a freaking conveyor belt to put her in a freaking vet. No joke. Like a James Bond film. Like a James, like a totally... James Bond film. I go, you think it's just the novels in the film? I go, it's true. And he says, okay, untire or you're fucking dead, right? Mm. So the entire and everything turns out fine. So what was something that your mom taught you that, that you carry with you always? That's a great question, Brother Carlos. Great question. My mother taught me how to love people. She knew that our path here is that. Never an angry word to me. There was never a hostile, angry, hurtful uh, word. You don't need to say hateful, ugly things to people. And I think my mother taught me that uh, that's going to get you nowhere. Hmm. Hmm. Very nice. nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wow. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Everyone. Hey, definitely. And, and gal, guys and gal. Guys yeah. and gal. <laughs> uh -huh. Ms. Tina. Yeah. Um, this has been great. Oh, and of course, Persephone. Yeah. And brother her. Oliver, whom we have heard from. How about some rum? Want some rum? Okay. I didn't get any. I wish I would have been offered some, but I had none. You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Very special thanks to our guest today, guitarist Jonathan Taylor. If you'd like to find out more about Jonathan and listen to some of his music, just search for Jonathan Taylor Classical Guitar. This show is produced by Oliver Altine. That's me. Our theme song, which you're listening to right now, was composed by me as well. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We are all over the place. And you can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thank you very much for listening and have an authentic day. Mm -hmm.